Good morning. Let's stand and sing. Are you made to worship? Let's stand and sing together. We welcome you. We hope you find uh, a good time and a good a place of fellowship and you feel the Spirit of God here with us. Um, if you're back for vacation, thank you for coming back. We missed you while you were gone. Don't stay gone too long. Um, have a good time and then come back on Sundays to worship with us. Let's sing Open the Eyes of My Heart. I want to see you. 
song's called Heart of Worship. I love this song. It's, and I've talked about this before, but when the music fades and everything else is stripped away, it's us. It's just us coming to the Lord. Let's sing this song together. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, or a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper. Is not what 
somebody here you don't know and they're your kinfolk so turn around and greet one another Children, ah, there we go. Make your way up this way to join Kelly for a few moments of sharing. Children, children, children. Before I talk to the kiddos, i got to make a plea to the adults. We need some more people to sign up to do this, to do the children's sermon um, in the mornings. We actually have July open, if anyone would like to volunteer. Um, I don't mind doing it. It's not a big deal. But um, if anybody else, we would love for you guys to volunteer and have an opportunity to do this, just to share five minutes with the kids in the mornings. All right. Hey, guys. I got a treat today, okay? I, um, does anybody like M&Ms? Do you like M&Ms? Like you do? Okay, good. Okay. Oh, come on, Justin. We're going to got a treat. Come here. Oh, yeah. Anybody else? Adults? Anybody? Anybody? You like M&M's, Maria? Okay. All right, ready? All right, I've got three for you and three for you, Tucker. You want some? Put them right there. Three for you, Ellie Kay, and three for you, Justin. And Morgan, here's five for you. And Hudson, here's three for you. And three for Caitlin. And three for Caroline. And three for Carson. Okay, how many M&Ms did you get? Um, did you get three? Three. And, and Morgan, how many did Morgan get? 
Morgan got five. Do you think that was fair? No, that you only got three, but Morgan got five. No, let me tell you a story. There's one time there was a farmer, and he needed some help on his working on his land. And so he said, if you'll come help me and work on my land, I'll give you $10, okay, if you'll work on my land. So one man came. He came at 8 o'clock in the morning, and he worked all day long. And another man came, and he came at lunchtime. And he worked lunchtime until the end of the day. And but then one more man came, and he didn't come till 4 o'clock. And he only worked a little bit until the end of the day. But you know what? All three of those men got $10. That's all they got. So the man that worked all day long, he said, wait a minute. That's not fair. I worked the longest. I should get the most money. And the farmer said, no, that's not the deal. That's not the deal we made. It doesn't matter how long you work. The deal was if you came to work for me, that you would get your reward. You would get your $10. Well, sometimes, guys, sometimes things in life aren't exactly fair. Sometimes people cause trouble for almost their whole life. But you know what? Then they realize, hey, I need to trust in Jesus. And I need to give Jesus my heart. And you know what? Jesus says, that's fine. That's okay. You still get the reward. You get to be with me in heaven. And sometimes people grow up in a church, and they're in the church their whole lives, and they do good, good things their whole life. And Jesus says, that's good. You get the reward. You get to be with me in heaven. So it does, sometimes things aren't exactly fair. But Jesus always says if we give him our heart, then we'll get that reward. Sometimes, even if it's not fair, we still have to do the right thing, okay? Does that make sense? I'll give you some more M&Ms in a second. That'll make it better, right? Okay, let's close our eyes and pray with me. Dear Lord, help us to understand that sometimes, even when they're not fair, you're looking out for us, and you know the best thing for us, and that we'll get our reward from you in heaven. Amen. Well, we have the M&M distribution here. I, I found a marble on the floor. Andy, that marble you said you lost, you're not losing all your marbles. Okay. Uh, it's good to see, it's good to see everybody. Think about this, older people, adults. Um, the same reason that so many of us decide to have children is the same reason the Lord God made us. Um, he delights in us, and he, <laughs> and he enjoys us and appreciates our company in the same way we love these little ones in our homes. And, um, and so remember that sometime when you're thinking about, about God's creation and why in the world he wants to consider you his child and think about the children that you brought into the world. Okay. The M&M distributions are almost coming to a close. It is good to see everyone. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to share any prayer concerns you have with us. Our ushers have uh, index cards. If you would, if you would uh, lift your hand, they'll hand you one, and you can fill out a uh, prayer request, and we'll collect those in a few minutes. Be sure to write something down. You don't mind me repeating. <clears throat> so we will let that happen here for a moment.
the, <laughs> the men's club uh, has been uh, c making a collection of money to help some of our neighbors up in the Midwest who are suffering from the flood. Specifically, we're going to be helping uh, New Creation United Methodist Church in its ministry to families. They have opened their church building for families to come and take shelter, including bring your pets with you. So um, maybe we'll have to send Mark up there to exterminate for fleas after it's done. But anyway, if you'd like uh, to make a contribution, the red bucket is in the back as, as you leave today if you'd like to contribute to, uh, to that. Also, the men's club is planning to do uh, Mother's Day Out kind of thing. We called it uh, Dads, Lads, and Lassies. Is that what I called it? <clears throat> Um, it's a Saturday the 12th, beginning at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, running till 8. The men are going to be here at the church, uh, group babysitting. I think you wives and mothers might be able to relax a little bit if they're all together. Um, we have plenty of cooks uh, available from the fathers to cook the, the children's supper. Uh, we might be a little bit low on the diaper detail brigade. And even if you don't have little ones, men, you're still invited to come because part of what this is about is a bonding time between children and different male figures in the church. Uh, children need to look up to men and women and see men and women of faith in action. So we invite you to be here on the 12th from uh, 3 until 8 to, uh, to put your faith on display for little ones to see that they might uh, grow into your likeness and into the likeness of Christ. Uh, activities are coming along this summer for youth uh, and children, and our newsletter went out. I know we've got something coming up soon. Is there anything else we need to announce this morning? I think Andy's got a lengthy program this morning, so I want to give him plenty of time. Uh, we also have our attendance registration pads, ushers, make sure those get started. Now, if you have finished your prayer request, if you lift the card in the air, we'll collect those at this time and share time and prayer in a moment. Yes, ladies' Bible study begins tonight at 5.30, second floor here. And you're leading it? You're facilitating. Facilitating. Okay, Andy's facilitating a sermon in a minute. Okay. That's great. Women's Bible study. Very good. Thank you. We get them all? Let us join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for loving us as we love our children. Thank you for planning a happy life and a good life for us even as we plan for our children. Thank you for taking delight in us as we delight in our children. Thank you for revealing yourself to us that we might know your love in the way that we parents reveal ourselves to our children that they might know our love. We are so thankful to be a part of your ongoing creation and for all the good things you're doing in life. We're also grateful to be a part of the redemptive work of Christ in our world, helping people in times of disasters and also 
helping people who are in times of difficulty or who because of, of heritage don't have as much as some others have. And we thank you that our youth were able to be in ministry with some Native Americans in recent days and to share life with them and ideas with them and faith with them. And we're grateful for all these times. We pray these special prayers for the day. We pray for Billy Hannon and family as he fights cancer. We pray for healing and comfort for Mike Berg and Carl Reinick. We pray for Martha Gibson's healing. We pray for a mother's successful surgery this coming week. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and their loved ones. We pray for Karen that she might find freedom from her illness. These are our prayers through Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. While Andy is coming, um, let me also remind you that there is a fifth Sunday, Sunday school class right here. So you don't, I, I don't know whether you need to check in with your own class before that starts, but we'll be beginning here soon after 10. And I've got some pictures and some documentaries on... Um, uh, Epworth Children's Home. Some of you are new to South Carolina and to Methodism, and you may not know about the wonderful things that you are doing through Epworth Children's Home. So I'm going to be sharing some uh, images and stories from there. And then if you really want to double dip today, Andy's preaching at this service, and I'm preaching at 11. So you can hang around to the uh, traditional service, uh, and we'd be glad to to have you do that. We won't make you make donations twice unless you just really want to. Here's our youth director, Andy. Wired mic died on us. I mean, the wireless mic died on us, so I'll be dragging around a cord today. As many of you know, I recently got back from a 10-day mission trip with a small group of guys from uh, our youth group uh, to South Dakota, and we worked on a couple of Indian reservations, and the week had a uh, a profound impact on on me and really the way that I viewed missions and the way I view missions now. Um, uh, I knew I was going to experience God on this trip, and, I, and as I we got there Saturday night, and I sat down and read through some psalms and found two psalms that really spoke to me and kind of uh, dictated how I was going to experience God this week because I knew it would be a twofold thing. And the first is the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and that's Psalm twenty four one. And, I, and I, when I read that, I thought, I'm definitely going to see the fullness of the earth. I'm going to see new things. We went through Badlands National Park. There's Black Hills National Park. Just wildlife and stuff that I knew I would see God in creation. Um, and so uh, in a new and different way. And so we certainly did. That's uh, uh, the suburban that we rented while we were out there. And it is literally middle of nowhere, no power lines in sight, nothing in sight for miles and miles. And you could drive. We, we did drive for one uh, stretch where we drove for 45 minutes and didn't see anything. And so, um, you know, uh, we saw wild buffalo within 20 feet of the vehicle, no fences, 
just wild. Uh, and that's a dandelion as big as my hand. Just amazing stuff. So I knew I was going to see God through creation while I was out there. The other way in which I knew I was going to see God kind of was illustrated through this psalm. Come and see what God has done, the amazing things he has done for children of men. And the whole idea of children of men is that God created a diverse group of people um, on this earth. And the children of men represents all humanity. And I knew I was going to experience a different culture, a culture that was very vibrant um, and very welcoming, but very different from my own. Um, and this is just a couple of pictures from that. That's an 81-year-old chief. Um, who is at a powwow, and the young as well. Um, beautiful and, and very welcoming people, but very different. And so I knew I was going to see God, and I was excited about seeing how God was working in these people's lives. Um, we also, while we were out there, got to meet a few of uh, Arthur's distant relatives. <laughs> so I, I told you I'd get you back for that Marvel joke. Uh, you know, and it's tough to see that one, but that's a jackrabbit dressed up. Uh, so, but anyway, I want to talk to you today about a few surprises and challenges that we encountered while we were out there, and I think they can uh, apply not only to missions but also to your your daily life. Um, and we really were kind of shocked. But first, I need to kind of give you a bit of history on Native Americans and uh, their history with European Americans and particularly missionaries. The first missionaries in the 1700s were French or Jesuit. And uh, they came with a fire and brimstone. Everything that the Native Americans did was evil, pagan, and to be done away with before they could become Christians. A common phrase that was coined is, kill the Indian, save the man. You must remove him completely from this savage way of life and all this ceremony and all these traditions and all this, that, that Christianity and that could not coincide. And so this went on for many years. And it's kind of sad that these people were stripped of their heritage um, so quickly in order to call on the name of Christ. It just didn't make sense, um, or at least it doesn't 300 years later. Uh, pretty soon after the missionaries came, then came the uh, government and the military, and they got involved and had relationships with the Indians that were less than um, honorable. Uh, at first, when white men came, and, and particularly the U.S. military came to the Midwest and whatnot, we struck treaties with the Indians um, and gave them very large plots of land uh, uh, so that they could keep their traditions going, keep their way of life going. But then, uh, in 1869, 70, um, Custer found black, uh, or he found gold in the Black Hills, which is the heart of the Lakota territory, and the United States government basically just nullified their treaty with the Indians, took back the land, um, and mined it until 2004 for gold um, from these people. Uh, and so it's been a rocky relationship. Uh, so we haven't always been uh, exactly ethical with the way we deal with Indians as far as uh, the United States government and military goes. Necessarily. Another thing that missionaries did, and uh, this is common throughout all Native American groups, even up into the Inuit in Alaska, uh, is we had boarding schools for them. Um, and when I say we, I don't mean we today, but, uh, but we are different from them, and we are the European American descendants that, you know, have come over. So uh, this is the same man three years later. Um, they would use chemical baths to wash away the red. They would be forbidden... Um, from speaking their own language, from wearing any traditional jewelry, traditional clothes, anything. This is a, a result of the kill the Indian, save the man type of 
missionary feeling, and they would all but kidnap these kids from their parents, their Indian parents, with the promise of they would one day be mediators between the Indian culture and, and white man's culture, and, and this is what we have. Um, and many of them, when they returned to their tribes after going to boarding schools, were not accepted and treated as traitors. So you can imagine the situation. Um, one thing, another, another thing that uh, Europeans brought with them was firewater or alcohol. And whereas Europeans had had a good th thousand years or more under their belt of gene pool and tolerance built up to alcohol, Native Americans had never dealt with alcohol. And so alcoholism very quickly took hold um, and is still a major issue today because, relatively speaking, they've only been consuming alcohol for roughly 300 years. Whereas Europeans, and when I say Europeans, European-Americans, uh, those of us with that descendant, we've been drinking it for, you know, a long time. So our tolerance is different, and it caused some major issues in the culture there. This all leads us to a current situation where it's tough to see, but let me see if I even have a battery in this. Nope. Uh, you can kind of see a upside-down L shape on the left. That's the, the Pine Ridge Reservation, and then you've got a square down here. That's the Rosebud. We visited both of these. These are in southwestern South Dakota. Um, the Pine Ridge Reservation is in the number one poorest county in the nation. And the Rosebud Reservation, the square, is in the fifth poorest county in the nation. Lots of poverty, lots of hopelessness. While we were there, we gathered newspapers and read articles from newspapers. And the Rosebud Reservation, during a six-month period last year, averaged 24 suicides a month. A month with 80% of those being between the ages of 20 and 30 years. So these are young people killing themselves. Um, and so this is the situation now today. There's just a sense of hopelessness. I don't know if you've, some of you have heard. It has no implications politically or really militarily or anything, but the Lakota Nation, which is comprised of these two and five other reservations, seceded from the Union in December of last year. It, like I said, it doesn't really mean much. There's been no uh, violent action about it or anything like that, but they are really kind of uh, struggling with their identity, their culture, and where it fits into mainstream American culture as, as we know it. So I would love to say that the, the various mission groups that were there have changed their missionary perspective, but unfortunately I do not see that. Unfortunately, it is still, the idea is not quite so overt and uh, aggressive, but the idea is still there that these people need to be changed and civilized before they can become Christians or before they can really understand what it means to be a Christian. And it's very sad. And I have never been more proud to be a United Methodist than I was while I was on this trip. Because our slogan is open hearts, open minds, open doors. And I used to think, well, that means we just let anybody in. But that's not exactly what it means. It means that we respect anybody's ideas, and we respect other people and other cultures, and we have an open mind about things. That does not mean that we say that everything is right, um, but we certainly are very slow to say that something else is wrong um, until we've gotten to know the people that are involved. And I was very proud to be a United Methodist uh, while we were there. And uh, like I said, I wish I could say that uh, the other groups were, were different, were more open-minded, but they were not. Um, so this is the group of guys that we went with. It was a jolly group of fellows, and um, 
We had a good time, and I want to share with you a little bit of our story. Whereas we went to experience the culture, the groups at the camp that we worked through uh, did not. And when presented with opportunities to experience traditional Native American culture, were afraid, I believe. But whatever the case, they did not want to do it, including the staff of the camp. It was as if we were just there to paint houses, play with the kids, and keep our heads down. And that is not why we went there. And, and, and fortunately, uh, although we got invited as a camp to go to many traditional ceremonies and stuff like that throughout the week, um, every time it was, no, we're not going to go do that. We don't have time to do that. or we're, we, No, I'm not sure how we, the kids would react to that and all this stuff. We went there to do that. And so very quickly we realized that if we were going to really reach out to the community, we were going to have to do it on our own time. And so we would spend part of our free time going to where these people shopped and meeting and mingling and talking with adults. I mean, don't get me wrong. We did. We painted houses which can uplift a community, especially one as hopeless as the one that we were in, and uh, I don't underestimate that. We played with the Native American kids, which, like all kids in poverty everywhere, need um, loving attention. And so we did that. We had a kids club for them. We taught them about Jesus and told them Bible stories, just a lot like vacation Bible school. We did all that. But we wanted to meet some adults and meet some leaders in the community that were there. So we did it on our own time. We went out and we befriended adults. And we got our group, our little group, invited to ceremonies, which we went out and participated in um, throughout the week. And, And it was an amazing experience. I'm very proud of our guys for wanting more and for being open-minded and wanting to see more and wanting to experience more. But our desire and the lack of desire in other groups, and and especially the leaders of other groups, to see the culture and to experience it and to give it, uh, you know, a a chance to see what they're all about, to respect them, uh, reminded me of these verses. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So Paul says, I became all things to all men. All right. I embraced many different cultures so that I might save some. All right. Now, he's not saying he, he was involved in the sinful activities of any particular culture or anything like that. He just says he got on other people's levels. He sought common ground with other people. And it's more, the most evident place I've ever seen this in Scripture is in Acts when Paul is in Greece. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. 
Now what you worship is something unknown. I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. For one man he made every, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined times set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophet, poets have said, we, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So Paul sought the common ground the altar to the unknown God, what the poets in Athens were already writing. He sought the common ground. He didn't insult them. He simply spoke what he believed and respected what they were doing. Okay? He didn't say it was right. He just respected it. And as a result, some people laughed and jeered. But some people believed, and some people wanted to hear more. And so it was a positive result as far as missionary perspective goes. We were invited to something called the Sundance as an entire camp. We were, the other adult leaders and from the other churches that were there quickly denounced it as evil and pagan and that uh, evil spirits would be there. That was one of the things we heard. We would have to have a prayer service before we went. It is uh, not, there's no way to reconcile it with Christianity or Christian ideals. They dance to the sun. Um, all of this. And so ultimately... We didn't go as a youth works camp, which is the group we went through. But, like I said, we made friends with some adults in the community and got ourselves invited. So we decided to go and see what this was all about. Um, we did. This is the only picture that I was able to get. It's from the distance because they will not allow you to photograph this ceremony or even sketch it. Uh, they just won't do it. Uh, it's very sacred to them. But it was a very beautiful ceremony. Not once did we feel unwelcome. We never feared for our lives or anything like that. We were not scared. Um, it was not overtly loud or uh, charismatic. Um, it was a beautiful ceremony of community and union, but it was just different. It was just different. And I think that's what most people fear is something that's different. Um, the sun dance has nothing to do with the sun. We got to speak to the fire keepers, which were very knowledgeable about everything that was going on. Uh, we were welcomed there. Any questions we had were answered. We were given blankets to sit on. Uh, in no way were we shunned or looked at uh, as uh, intruding or even uh, in any bad way. We, we were completely welcomed there. It was a wonderful experience. And just to give you a little bit of idea of what it's like, uh, sun dancers commit, well, sun dancers are the ones that are dancing around an, a, a tree that they basically skin except for the top branches and erect in the middle of a, an arbor or a circle. 
Um, and there's all sorts of ceremonial stuff. It's much like a sanctuary, okay? It's just different, but it's like a sanctuary. Um, it is not inherently Christian. However, there were Christian sun dancers there. The interesting part is where they would pierce themselves with bone in the upper chest, too, and tether themselves to this tree. <coughs> That's different. Um, however, they would dance until these popped through their flesh. Um, and so it was, that was different as well. Uh, if you look back at Christian, Christianity and its history, you see various forms of self-mutilation as well. So we tried to have an open mind about that. Uh, we are Methodists after all. So um, the beautiful thing about it is not that these guys dance. And these guys commit to dance for four times a year for four years. It's the fact that during those four years, they commit themselves to abstain from alcohol, drugs, lying, cheating, stealing, thinking bad thoughts about others. They commit themselves to giving away as much as they can, as much as they can, and living off as little of the, as they can. It's, a, it's a, a real sacrifice for these men, and a sacrifice so that they might be purified. Uh, it's like an extend. I, I kind of likened it to this, trying to find the common ground, an extended period of Lent where they're really looking at themselves and what their life means. They dance four times a year, and they can choose a different thing to dance for every time. Some dance uh, that God might heal uh, a, a, a relative. Some dance that God might help out with a situation of alcoholism, personal problems, relatives, friends, the community at large. Whatever it is, they dance. Um, and the beautiful thing is that they are not alone. They are surrounded by a very large group of family and friends that dance with them inside the circle and support them. And it's got the rhythmic drums from the Native Americans, and there's a, a drum group that keeps switching in and out, and, and, and they're dancing. And they will take turns, or not take turns, but they will alternate between pulling the, the tether tight or taut and then going up to the tree and praying. And as they go up to the tree and pray, it's the most beautiful thing. One by one, the people who are dancing and supporting them will come up and pray with them. And so it's an it's a, uh, amazing sense of community and unity and love for one another that I don't know how you could look at and say, this is evil. I don't know how you could do it. And everything that we saw from the drums to the, the peace uh, pipe smoking, um, which to the chagrin of some of our youth we did not get to participate in, but from all of that, everything could be done to the glory of God. Everything could be done. It's different, but it could be done to the glory of God. There are facets of every culture that Christ can redeem. And for us to say we're going to choose which ones those are is very arrogant. And so, as a matter of fact, we got to meet the medicine man, and he invited us into the inner circle to pray. And so Stephen and I felt comfortable enough, because we didn't know what they'd have us do, um, felt comfortable enough to, to be led into the inner circle and up to the cottonwood tree that's in the middle there and pray. And we were led by a massive Native American man, um, and, but he was very soft-spoken. He led us around, gave us instructions very quietly so we knew what we were doing. When we got to the tree, um, the last thing he said is pray for us. And so Stephen and I spent a lot of time in prayer, kneeling at the tree there in the middle. Um, and it was impossible to not think, my Savior died upon a tree. And here we are at a tree that these people hold as sacred. Um, and certainly you could, every facet of it could be redeemed for Christ, with the exception of one uh, 
myth about a white buffalo woman. I'm not sure. We're not going to get into that. But, but, you know, everything really could. And my point is, is that whether it's on the mission field or whether it is um, in your workplace or among your family, your friends, whether it's people uh, that you live with, coworkers, people from other denominations, people from other religions, whatever it is, we should seek to find the common ground first. We always look for where we're different and how we can't reconcile things. But if you'll seek to find the common ground first, especially if your goal is sharing the love of Christ with them, then when you get to a point where you respect them and they know it, they'll respect you. And when you tell them about Christ and what He's done, He'll take care of sorting out what's right and what's wrong in their lives. That's not our job. If the Spirit is really working with them, then what is evil will be weeded out. That's the way it'll work. That's the way Christ has been working for two centuries. And so for us to say that we need to fix these people first so they can receive Christ in any situation, whether it's at work or whether it's, like I said, between two denominations or whatever it is, it's just wrong. Just respect one another. Try and understand one another. Find the common ground like Paul did. It's difficult, especially when there's some people that are very different. This is a Sioux Trinity or a Lakota Trinity. And at first when I saw this, it agitated me. I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't know what to think about it. Um, but the more I looked at it, the more I began to say, well, it's not really that bad. They have a very great respect for elders in their community. And God is not referred to as Yahweh like the Jews did or as God like we do or Jehovah or anything like that. He's called either the Great Mystery um, or usually the Grandfather. And then, of course, the Spirit would be represented. As in many European cultures, as a dove, it's the, it's the eagle in the Native American culture. And then, of course, that's the, that's the Native American Jesus. It's not different than any blonde-eyed I mean, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus that you see from history. It's not different. This is their expression of the Trinity. It's not evil. It's not wrong just because it's not like ours. And the more you look at it, the more you can see, hey, I kind of know where they're coming from with that. You, you feel like you maybe know them a little bit more. And so that's the way that it should be with missions. Home missions, foreign missions, whatever. Find the common ground. As Methodists, we have open hearts and open minds, and we should seek to... Um, embrace other people respect other people and then in turn the love of christ and the grace of god will do all the other work that needs to be done amen thanks for putting up with me for this long please prepare your hearts for worship and offering at the same time as i have ran us really long so um, stand and sing with us Oh,
something to uh, refresh yourselves and come back for the 11 o'clock service, uh, rather the 10 o'clock Sunday school time in just a minute. But now may you go forth in peace and may you take to the world this great love of Christ, meeting people where they are and sharing the love of God with them. Amen.